Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Why they were what they were. Acts 2.42. This is the same day the church was born. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread. And we clearly know that they were Pentecostal because they liked to eat. And in prayers, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. This shows how they were pulling for each other, sharing with each other. This was a unique uh, dynamic in that at this time of the year, Jerusalem would swell with 50,000 tourists, travelers, visitors during the Jewish feast time. And you can see that when the spirit was out poor, they didn't want to go home immediately. They stayed to be taught, preached to, trained, discipled by the apostles. And so there was a challenge to feed and house them. And this is how they responded to that need. Verse 46, so continuing daily. Everybody say continuing. This is the second time in these few verses this word is used. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were content. Praising God, having favor with the community. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I want to say thank you to Pastor Nathan Santomieri for a great message last week and miracles following, signs following the word of the Lord. And if you were here last week, I know you were blessed by the preaching of, was it the fig tree and the miracle? Amen. See, I pay attention what's going on when the pastor's away, and I appreciate the partnership so much. Uh, and so we thank God for that visitation. Today, from these passages, particularly verse 42 and 46, they continued steadfastly. Verse 46, so continuing daily. My message today is entitled, The Apostolic Continuum. The Apostolic Continuum. Continuum, and you may be seated. When we say apostolic, we refer to all things book of Acts. All things book of Acts. If it's recorded in the book of Acts, no matter how wild and crazy it is, no matter how amazing it is, you can take it to the bank. It happened. It took place. It occurred. And the reason that we know it happened is because every miracle that ever happened in the book of Acts has happened in the 21st century and is still happening even in present day. And so if it's in the book of Acts, it happened. If it's in the book of Acts, we have it. We can have it. If we don't have it, we want it. And if we want it, we can have it. Everything. Every miracle, every sign, every wonder, every report, every amazing burst of growth and impact in the community, we can have it. Of course, we can also have the persecution that came along with it. Yeah. 
We can also have the trouble and the battles and the struggles. And what we don't think about many times in the book of Acts, we celebrate all the miraculous and the supernatural, but it all has a context. It all has a, a, a set of circumstances around them. And I just want to say, I'm not going to belabor it today, but I want to say that the church in the 21st century is not exempt from the culture. The church cannot absentee itself from the world that we are living in. Amen. Jesus situated us clearly in the world in John chapter 17 when he said, Father, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. Amen. And he said, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so send I them into the world. And another time he said, I'm fenceless sheep, but I'm here to tell you that the Lord is with us and he will stand with us. And what he did for them back then, he will do for us today because Jesus Christ is the bishop of the church. He's the founder of the church. He's the savior of the church. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Are you glad you serve that man, that God, Jesus Christ? So when we say apostolic continuum, we mean all things book of Acts. And when we use the word continuum, we are referring to an, an, an unbroken existence and demonstration of the patterns and dynamics that were present at the beginning. Amen. The book of Acts is not a museum. Have you ever been to a museum where everything's dead and stuffed and mounted and you know, plaques and it's dusty and it's sort of a stroll down memory lane? Well, the book of Acts cannot be that way. And I will do what I can by the help of the Lord to convince you of that today. Any local Christian congregation, and they're Baptist or, or, or non-denom, it doesn't make any difference. My Bible reads the same way their Bible does. If it's in the Bible, it is yours. If it is in the Bible, you can have it. Don't let your theology, amen, exempt you. Don't let your religious tradition wipe you out from certain passage of the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. If your theology says there's no such thing as speaking in tongues today, I've got news for you. The promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If your theology tells you that there are no miracles, wonders, and signs today, you've come too late to tell me because there are miracles that have already happened in this house. Lives have already been changed. People have already been healed. Cancer's already been healed. Amen. Devils have already been cast out. Hallelujah. Visitations and wonders and signs are the heritage of the saints. I'm not advocating for Pentecostalism today. I'm advocating for the original church. The apostolic continuum. If what the apostles believed and lived and taught and preached does not fit someone's paradigm or theology... This is America. And people can believe whatever they want to believe. People can tear out scriptures, tear out pages, tear out chapters. You say, well, who would do that? 
A brilliant man named Thomas Jefferson did that. The third president of the United States. It's called the Jefferson New Testament. And anything that smacked of the miraculous, the supernatural, he took a razor blade and cut it out. Friends, the Bible says, if any man takes away from this book, let the judgments of the book be added to them. Or if anyone adds to it, let me tell you something. It's not only dangerous to cut out anything that the word of God teaches, but it's dangerous to add a supplemental revelation. There is no other revelation than the revelation of Jesus Christ that's in the word of God. Amen. I don't believe. Amen. Paul said, if we or an angel, if we or an angel from heaven, let me tell you something. Fallen angels are angels from heaven. If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, what is that gospel? Paul preached it. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he both died and was buried and he rose again. Hallelujah. And Peter preached that gospel message on the day the church was born. When the people said, what shall we do to be saved? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm selling my soul on that gospel. I'm believing. I'm hanging everything I've got on that gospel. If that's not the gospel, then I'm lost. If that's not the gospel, then I'm headed to hell. But I'm telling you, it is the gospel because the apostles believed it. And I am living in an apostolic continuum. I'm living in it. What I'm preaching today there's not a dime's worth of difference in what I'm preaching and what the apostles preached. Not even a penny difference. <laughs> Woo! We're standing on solid ground today. And I want to be that church in the book of Acts. I want to be that church that venerated and worshiped Jesus Christ as the almighty God. When, when Thomas said, I won't believe until I put my hand in his hand and thrust my hand into his side and suddenly Jesus appears and he's there. He said, Thomas, touch me, see me, feel me. And when Thomas saw him, the Bible said he fell down and he said, my Lord and my God, that means the Lord of me and the God of me. He was not worshiping Jesus as part of a composite deity or a plurality, but he was worshiping Jesus Christ as the Old Testament God manifested in the New Testament. The one who said, I am, and he claimed every I am statement of Jehovah in the Old Testament. You can't have two I am's, but you've got Jesus, the one who was manifested in flesh and dwelt among us and showed us his glory. That's the apostolic continuum of the apostles doctrine. Come on, somebody worship Jesus as God right now. <laughs> Amen. I want to be that church. I want to be the church that has the presence of 21st century, modern day apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. 
fivefold ministry. I want to be that church that preaches the same gospel that was preached on the day of Pentecost, that believes in the supernatural, that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. If you hear someone speaking with tongues today, if before we leave this house and a hush falls over us and someone utters a message in tongues that we don't understand and someone else interprets that message, we are on solid ground. That's not stupid. That's not ridiculous. That's not weird. That's not creepy. That was normal in the first church. Hallelujah. That was normal. And it's normal at the Life Church. Hallelujah. And if I was going somewhere, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody, but if I was going somewhere and we never had a visitation of the gifts of the Spirit, I want to ask my pastor, how come we never have a message in tongue? How come there's never a prophecy? How come devils are never cast out? How come we never see miracles? Amen. I want to know why. Because it's my privilege to have the apostolic continuum. I want it. I want it. Somebody shout, I want it. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They united around one mission to go make disciples of all nations. We call that the Great Commission. Did you know, according to Barna Research, which is the group that researches Christianity, Barna says that 51% of all Christians do not even know anything about the Great Commission. And if there was 51% in here that didn't know anything about the Great Commission, I should be fired. (laughs) Don't get any ideas. (laughs) It's the mission. You know, what's the mission since we have our two resident dentists so right here? Oh yeah, chiropractic, sorry. What was I thinking? Well, sorry, Anthony. Thank you, Dr. Mike. How many are thankful for doctors in the house? (laughs) Yeah. Amen. I don't even know where I was going with that. Sorry, right, I blame it on jet lag. <laughs> I might even just fall, lay down and fall right asleep up here this morning. I hope I can just keep you awake. Yeah, this apostolic continuum. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. The first church didn't maintain the apostolic continuum for a day. It lasted beyond the day of Pentecost. For a week, for two weeks, it lasted beyond the Feast of Tabernacles. Hallelujah. It lasted beyond the Day of Atonement. It lasted beyond the full completion of the Jewish calendar. And it goes to the next year and the next year and the next year. And they're on the mission. Praise God. I know what I was going to say. Chiropractors restore the alignment of the body and dentists Amen. Their mission is to give you health. And if your teeth aren't in good shape, it can make you miserable. And if your body is out of alignment, you can be in a lot of pain. How's this for advertisement? Amen. Just give a good offering today. Praise God. (laughs) 
Amen. And the mission of the church is to go make disciples and baptize all nations in the name of Jesus Christ. And if we don't know what the mission is, what are we doing here? We're not the first church of the fried chicken dinner. Amen. We're on a mission. And they knew what their mission was. It's a shame when Christians don't even know what the Great Commission is. My friend, somebody dropped the ball and the apostolic continuum is not continuing. It's been aborted and forsaken. But for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, they continued steadfastly in what? Four things. The apostles' doctrine. That means what we're doing right now. It doesn't just mean a set of beliefs. It does. And I've sort of shared some of those today. But it means, I'll tell you what I think it means. It means on Sunday, the Bible says daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. They came together as a body and listened to the apostles preach and the prophets preach somewhat like what is happening today. That's saying that they came under spiritual authority. They came under the word of the Lord so God could give them direction and God could give them peace in a world of chaos so that they could come together with believers and, and be strengthened together. How many feel strength in the house of the Lord today? How many feel comforted in the house of the Lord today? Amen. The apostles doctrine that means under spiritual authority in breaking of bread and fellowship. Let me get it in the order here. The apostles doctrine and fellowship. Where's Byron? Stand up, Byron. Fellowship, our answer, our response to an apostolic continuum of fellowship is connect groups. And 20 have committed to connect groups from now till the end of the year. And we're going to have another season of that, another semester. Thank you, Byron. And Reagan are championing this ministry. It's how we achieve fellowship. We can't really have true fellowship when I'm the only talking head on the platform. Amen. But the way we achieve fellowship is we come together in perhaps the cafe or at Starbucks or McDonald's or your house or my house and we get together and we break bread. That's the next piece. Maybe we have a donut or a biscuit or a, or a bagel or a cracker or something. Amen. And we have fellowship fellowship is koinonia and it's you tell me what God's saying to you and I'll tell you what God's saying to me and according to the apostolic continuum as it was in Acts chapter 15 the Bible said it seemed good to us and to the Holy Ghost I can't really figure out what the will of God is all by myself I can't figure out what the will of God is for my life by my own little cottage prayer meeting out in the woods somewhere amen I've got to come together with other believers who will pray for me and I will pray for them and let every word be established by two or three witnesses. Come on, this is how the church functions. This is how the church operates. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and in, everybody say prayers. A prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless church is just fooling themselves. A prayerless church will never be able to stand 
against the wiles of the devil and the spirit of the age and the spirit of antichrist that is in this world. If there ever was a time the church has been called to pray, it is right now. You better not have a prayerless home. Don't have a prayerless house. Don't ever let a week go by without somebody praying, without somebody crying out to God, without somebody calling out to God. Every once in a while, you need to go into your bedroom and close the door and get your Bible out and get down on your knees at your bed. Amen. And let tears fall off your cheeks as you read the word and then stand up and lift your hands and contact God. Amen. We need houses of fire. We need houses of fire with prayer. We've got to be a praying church. We don't just pray when we come to the house of the Lord. We pray without ceasing. By the end of the first century, after just 65 short years, basically slightly more than a generation, the church had grown from 3,000 to what some estimate to be some 300,000. And then by the middle of the fourth century, over 30 million in the world called themselves Christians. Some of the most intense persecution the church had ever faced happened during that season and that time, at least until the emperor got baptized on his deathbed. Yeah. The reason he didn't get baptized till his deathbed is he had a few more people to murder first. That's true. History bears this out. And they believe that, you know, after you, when you got baptized, took care of all of your past sins, but none of your future sins. So he just wanted to get baptized, you know, just get wet one time, just take the crown off one time. So he had a few people to, you know, eliminate. So, oh, what a wonderful Christian he must have been. Had a few more people to murder. Listen, I'm talking about the true church suffered great persecution. And the apostolic church in the 21st century, we've been facing some things. When I talk about a continuum, I'm telling you that there will always be threats. There will always be threats to what we believe and what we are willing to die for. Amen. This is why Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary... You walk out of here thinking all life is peaches and cream and you'll never come under attack. Let me tell you something. You've got an adversary who's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You may not hear him, but I hear him almost every day. I feel more vulnerable now in my life than I ever have been, which makes me realize I need to trust God and I need to pray and to seek him and pray a wall of protection around me and my family and you because we are being threatened on every side. The church has recently, and we are still coming through a season, COVID has tried to knock out the church. In fact, there are a strong percentage, at least 10%, who stopped going to church when COVID hit, who said they will never be back 
to church. And that's about what we're averaging here right now. Amen. We haven't given up and we haven't quit and we haven't caved in and we haven't capitulated. We're not satisfied with 80 or 90% coming back after COVID. Amen. But if they're not going to come with us, guess what? God is going to send somebody else. God is going to raise up winners. God is going to raise up people that are committed and that are sold out. Can I tell you that entire congregations have been shut down and buildings have been foreclosed because of COVID. Church buildings and of course even businesses. COVID's tried to knock us out. The shutdown by the government and the overreach has tried to knock us out. The mask mandate has tried to knock us out. Losing a percentage of our Sunday attendance has tried to knock us out. Even losing and saying goodbye and burying precious church memories, members and their memories as a result of COVID has tried to knock us out. But I want you to know by the grace of God, we are still here. We are still standing. We are going to be steadfast, continuing steadfast in the apostles doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's what I want to know. If they shut us down again, who is still with us? Who's still on board? Who's going to continue in the apostles doctrine and fellowship? Amen. This is not a popularity thing. This is what we are. It's what we believe. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Anybody can do well for a day. But who can do well for a year? A decade. A lifetime. I did a little research this week. I think you'll like it. Rolling Stone magazine solicited its readers, which I've never read the Rolling Stone, just so you know. But I Googled it and I asked Brother Google. And the Rolling Stone magazine solicited its readers to vote on the top one hit wonders of all time. I wish I could be a one hit wonder in the music world. I'd be so rich. I haven't got the inspiration yet. I wrote a couple songs, but you wouldn't want to hear them. They're pretty pitiful. Now, I'm going to play a tune for you. And this tune was in the top 10, voted top 10 one-hit wonders. But I guarantee you, over half of you will recognize it. And you may not even know who wrote it or how popular it became. So let it roll. Let it rock. recognize it? I got a couple hands up in the air. Anybody recognize this? I recognize it. It's not exactly a church tune, but it is a gospel song. All right. Thank you. See, that's my era. That just sort of gets my... I didn't even know what the song was. I didn't know who wrote it. 
is written by a guy who was inspired by uh, <laughs> yeah it's a <laughs> oh my god when I first heard that voice I thought there's a first time guest in here that's went nuts you know I didn't know a lyric I didn't know a word all I knew was the band man and that's right spirit in the sky written by a Jewish guy who was not even a Christian inspired by a song written by Porter Wagner and he said you know what I can do that and in 15 minutes 15 lousy minutes he writes this one hit wonder doesn't that just tick you off <laughs> and that song or parts of it has been a soundtrack in over 80 movies. It's staggering. The author's name, Norman Greenbaum. And probably made him independently wealthy. Contrast to, and I hate these guys, I hate what they did to our country and how they introduced drugs and Eastern religion. But the Beatles from the 60s over 10 years had 20 number one hits. And that's really a poor way to make a point. But I want to ask somebody a question today. And I'm preaching to the choir today, I know. And they were, by the way, the choir was magnificent today. It's just awesome. And I want to ask you a question. Are you going to be a one hit wonder? For God? Or are you here for the continuum? See, that's the question. They continued steadfastly. Anybody can be good during passing the mantle and run the aisles and shout and dance. And, but what about Thanksgiving? Are you still here at Thanksgiving? And what about Christmas? Or, you know, then that's probably bad because we have people, all they do is show up at Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, and we call those CEOs, Christmas and Easter onlys. And, and, and what about, notice Bible language. Notice Bible language. It's interesting that in the New Testament, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd John, Jude, and Revelation all end with the word Amen. 24 of the 27 books of the New Testament end with Amen. What does Amen mean? So be it. It's, uh, it's, this is it. This is the conclusion. I believe it. It's amen. It approves it. Okay. One of those books that does not end with amen is the book of Acts. 
If there's any book that should end with amen, it's the book of Acts. But you have to pay attention to Bible language. And there's a reason why the book of Acts does not end with amen. The last verse of the book of Acts says, and Paul continuing in his own hired house, continued to preach and teach. And the word was established. And the reason the book of Acts does not end with amen is because there's not just 28 chapters of the book of Acts. We're living in the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. Hallelujah. And everything they did, we are doing. And everything they believe, we believe. And everything they sold out for, we have sold out for. And everything they were committed to, we are committed to. The apostle Peter is my brother. The apostle Paul is my brother. I was baptized like him. I was filled with the same spirit. Amen. They are my continuum. We are living in that. And it's not going to be amen until we all stand together. Every generation of the apostolic continuum. And we take our crowns and we cast them at his feet. The founder of the church, the high priest of the church, the baptizer of the Holy Ghost, the miracle worker himself. That's when we will say amen. <laughs> Woo. So are you going to be a one hit wonder? Oh, you know, we built this church with 700 seats in it, but we couldn't even hold the population that's been here in the 16 years. By the way, 16 years to this Sunday ago, we had our first service at the Live Church on our new campus. Ha. Come on, stand if you've been here all 16 years. Stand up if you've been here all 16 years. Look at this. This is a continuum. Come on, this is a continuum. Come on. This is what you can build a church on. This is what you can build faith on. This is what you can reach a community on. You may be seated. I'm not taking away anything from anyone. And some of you from day one, you've been faithful since God saved you and redeemed you and changed your life. But even folks who walked across the pages of the word of God. Faltered. Galatians 1, 6. Paul said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of God to a different gospel. Think of that. The believers at Galatia, could you ever be duped to believe another gospel? I know people who went to another gospel that I preached alongside. The church at Ephesus left their first love that's one of my greatest fears. God, I don't want to leave. 
That first love you gave me when I was seven years old and I felt the presence and I wept like a baby and I've been addicted to that ever since. And when God touches me like that, it still happens because I've addicted myself to the ministry and to the presence of God. Are you a one hit wonder or do you still have your first love or have you cooled off and now you're just riding along until Jesus comes? Let me tell you something. That's no way to live your life for God, to, but to be be passionate. Everybody okay? Can I have five more minutes? First Kings six, the last two verses, verse 37, 38. Solomon was seven years in building God's house and 13 years building his own house. And I got to tell you, every time I've read that, it just ticks me off. He spent seven years building God's house and 13 years building his house. And I'm like, dude, that is so wrong. You know, you spend twice as much on yourself as you did on God. But as I was studying this, one of the theologians straightened me out on it. He said the reason that he built the house of God and half the time as he built his own house, and I love this, is he was focused like a laser on building the house of God. And he was much more casual about building his house. All right, Solomon. That makes me feel better. That makes sense, doesn't it? He was intense about building God's house. And I thought about you people. I thought about you. I've been saving this for three years. Are you ready for the moment? Three years I've been looking at this and waiting for this. And this is the moment. Can we just have a moment of silence? Ta-da! What are these? Commitment cards to finishing strong. You know what we've done for three years, Brother Paul? We put our own houses aside we said, we're going to do this for the house of God. And there are testimonies here today, people that we can celebrate. And you know what? Some that filled out cards, I didn't go through them and I'm not going to. But some, I'm sure that there's names in here that are not here today. Come on. I'm sure there are people here today that had good intentions, but they haven't followed through on them. They haven't followed up. But you're still here. You're still here and I celebrate you today because you were not a one hit wonder when it came to finishing strong. Amen. But you've been in the thick. You've been in the thin. You hung in there with us when we had a building sitting out on the grass for 20 months and couldn't get the ignorant city. Amen. To get off their backsides and give us a permit. But praise God, we finally got it. And now it's coming up. Aren't you glad you stuck with it? Aren't you glad you're seeing it coming to pass? Hallelujah. We put the house of God first. We put the house of God first. But we're not just going to do that, amen, for a year or two or even three years. But it's how we've lived our life before finishing strong. And it's how we're going to live our lives after finishing strong. And the problem I have, and everybody can stand, the problem I have with Solomon is that He did good for seven years, but he didn't finish strong. He didn't finish strong. I don't have time to unpack all the story, but the Bible says 
later in his life that his wives turned his heart away from God. This is what happens when people let other people and let things turn their heart away from God. You better be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You better be careful who you allow, amen, to walk into your world. Praise God. I feel like, amen, Joshua, who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I decided that a long time ago. There's no debate about that. Amen. I'm going to serve the Lord. Solomon began worshiping idols in the very temple that he built to Jehovah. He was a one temple wonder. But my friend, I've decided that I'm going to be a part of the apostolic continuum. Amen. The apostolic continuum. Listen. I want, Ethan, would you please come to the keyboard and I want to give you hope that I'm closing. I got so much I want to say today, but let me just say this. You know, we serve a God of a second chance. There was a young man named Mark. His mother was a widow and she was wealthy. The church often gathered in her house to pray. In fact, they were there praying the night that Peter was incarcerated and they prayed him right out of jail. They prayed an angel into that cell, released him. And he had an uncle named Barnabas and who became the traveling missionary companion of the great apostle Paul. Paul and Barnabas went on their first missionary journey. They came back, had a good report. They took John Mark on their second journey. John got discouraged. John Mark, he abandoned them at Philippi. It sort of ticked Paul off. But in a godly, holy, righteous way. He thought, well, that little wimp, he just abandoned us. He just took off. Paul was intolerant of compromise because he had suffered a lot. He had every right to. In fact, he was so upset about it that when Barnabas tried to redeem the situation, Paul and Barnabas even had a disagreement to the point where they separated ways, but God was in it because now we didn't just have one missionary team. We had two missionary teams. Amen. And Paul and Silas went one way and Barnabas and his team went another way. But here's what I love about the kingdom of God. John Mark leaves. He runs tuck tail. He goes back to mama's apron strings. Somebody got a hold of him. Somebody talked to him. Maybe he got a prayer life. I don't know. But Mark said, I'm not going to let this be my last chapter. I'm not going to let this be the end of my ministry. 
I had the greatest opportunity and I threw it away. And if God will help me, I'm going to pray my way back. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to prove, amen, to the apostle Paul that, that he made, that he rushed to judgment. Amen. And thank God. Amen. Somehow John Mark rose back up out of the ashes and the great apostle, amen, uh, you know, speaking in a negative way about him. And John Mark rose back up and listen later what Paul said about John. Amen. He said, Paul insisted when they departed that they should not take Mark with them. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But in Colossians chapter 4, Paul refers to Mark as his fellow prisoner. <laughs> and then in 1 Timothy 4.11, he said, Luke is with me and I'm calling for Mark and bring him with you for he is profitable for the ministry. In other words, Mark changed his reputation. He changed what he was going to be known for. Are you going to be known as a quitter? Are you going to be known as a turncoat? Are you going to be known as a Benedict Arnold? Are you going to be known as somebody who can't cut the mustard? Or are you going to turn your life around and say, I'm going to be profitable for the kingdom. I'm going to be an asset and not a liability. I'm going to roll up my shirt sleeves. And Mark teaches us that we serve a God of a second chance. Let me tell you something. You don't need to just write people off. You don't need to just give up on people. You don't need to just throw away the towel. I don't care what they said. I don't care how critical they were. If God convicts them, if God gets a hold of them, if they repent, if they apologize, if they get their heart right, they too can be profitable. I know what I'm preaching about today. I wish I could say everything that I know and everything that I'm feeling, but there are people here today that have been restored <laughs> and are profitable for the ministry. Why? Because God didn't give up on them and I didn't give up on them and you didn't give up on them. And I know what I'm talking about. I sort of had a John Mark and Apostle Paul experience one day when my pastor asked me what I was going to do now that I graduated from Bible college. And I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell you something I've never told before. I told him I, I was proud. I was excited. I said, I'm going to evangelize. Here I am, 21, wet behind the ears fresh out of Bible college. I'm going to evangelize. I thought he'd be saying, attaboy, Stan, go get him, buddy. Go take the world. You know what he said? He said, I'd, I'd really, he said, oh, Stan, I hate to see you spread your mediocrity all over the country. I had to make a decision right there. My own pastor doesn't believe in me. My own pastor thinks I'm mediocre. Huh? Have I ever told any of you that? 
<laughs> That'll never come out of my mouth. I might think it. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm not going to declare it. I had to make a decision. Am I going to be angry? Am I say, well, by God, I paid my tithes. I graduated on the president's honor roll. I was the president of my third year class. What more do I have to do to prove to you I'm not mediocre? I could have just had a biggest, stupid, stinking attitude. Or I could have said, you know what? I don't blame him because I really am. I'm a, <laughs> I don't know the first thing about preaching and pastoring. And I probably am mediocre, but I'm not going to be mediocre the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm going to start out mediocre, but I'm not going to stay mediocre. <laughs> Amen. And somebody lined up eight weeks revivals for me in the state of Illinois and my new bride and I, Marlene, I would never advise newlyweds doing what we did, but we did it and God helped us and we preached eight weeks and then another week opened and then another week opened and then another week opened and another phone rang and another call and another revival and that's been 43 years ago and we still haven't stopped. Now, here's what I've never told you before, and I'm not piling on, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not the one that turned out mediocre. He made a judgment, and it came back upon him. I'm not the one that left the truth. I'm not the one that lost my marriage. I'm not the one that lost relationship with my children. And I'm not piling on anybody, but I'm telling you, you can make out of yourself whatever you want to, no matter what anybody says. You can be determined that you're going to be faithful and rise and be an apostolic continuum. <laughs> and I give God all the glory. <laughs> Woo. Come on, lift your hands and give yourself another chance. Come on, lift your hands and forgive yourself. Lift your hands and say, God, I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping here. I know there's great things ahead for me. I know God has plans for my life. I know the enemy lies to me. I know people have pushed me down, but I'm jumping back up today. Oh, come on. Let the Holy Ghost help you right now. Let the Holy Ghost speak to you right now. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Amen. I'm not staying here. I'm moving on. I'm going to be a part of the apostolic continuing. I'm not going to be a one hit wonder, a one year revival wonder. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to a new level. I'm going to the next place. I'm committing today. I'm selling out today. Come on. I feel encouragement from the Lord right now. Come on, somebody needs to throw off discouragement. You need to throw off the lies and the attack of the enemy. Come on, somebody, rise up.